At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to XYZ. I just wanted to say this week that I'm really, really saddened and angry and upset about what is happening in the in Ukraine. Um, Nick and I haven't really talked about this monologue before I'm doing it, so we're, we're doing it live. But yeah, it's just I, I have a bunch of friends who are Canadian Armed Forces personnel that were helping to train the Ukrainian Armed Forces over the last couple of years. And... I don't know. I don't know what to say. Nick, feel free to chime in here at any point. I just, I feel really powerless in this situation. And I think it really, it sucks for everyone. Like, I'm not sure if you've heard, but like a lot of the Russian soldiers were conscripts. So a Russian military service is um, compulsory. So they were conscripts and then they were forced to into the invasion. Ugh. And disobeying orders is 15 to 20 years in prison. That's horrific. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's like no nobody's winning here, you know. I I just it's completely senseless. I mean, I think there's a lunatic uh, behind all of this. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know what to say. I mean, war is is horrific, and there's yeah. there's no need for it. It's, it's brutal. Yeah, and I just I, I you know I was kind of going back and forth on even saying this, but you know I guess. On saying, you know, having a monologue about this because it's not like Putin's going to like hear our podcast and be like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. But, you know, I guess more than anything, I just want to say if anyone I, I know we have listeners from the Ukraine, I hope you're well, hope you're safe. Um, if anyone listening has family in the Ukraine, I hope you're well, hope you're safe. What else can we say? You know, let us know if we can do anything. Yeah, I mean, that's a, yeah. a free people, a free country. They, I don't think they're going to put up. They're not putting up with it. So, no. Good on them. Well, I saw I saw something the other day that just it kind of terrified me and made me incredibly proud. And it's, I think it's one of the bravest things I've ever seen. It was a, a a crowd of Ukrainian civilians with their hands raised, standing in front of a Russian military convoy to wow. stop it from advancing and Russian soldiers are like shooting over their heads to try and get them to disperse and they didn't, they just stood there. 
Wow. You know, I just, I can't, yeah, I can't even imagine the bravery it takes to do this kind of stuff. Uh, it's, a, it's a terrifying situation. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that's a, a, a difficult note to start on, but I just wanted to say something, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, our thoughts are with you. I, I, I don't know if you know this, but anyone who doesn't know this, the um, Canadian government right now is matching donations. Any, any donations that you make to the Canadian Red Cross's um, Ukrainian Relief Fund is matched by the Canadian government dollar for dollar. So I made a donation the other day. I would encourage anyone that has the means to to make a donation as well. And I, I don't know what else we can really do beyond that. I did not know that. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, that's part of the issue with charities is a lot of them aren't perfect. You know, they don't spend all your money on on what they're supposed to, but the Canadian Red Cross seems like they're pretty good in that regard. And then you're kind of doubling your impact because the Canadian government's matching it. So, yeah, I mean, for sure, there the logistics and uh, management involved in running a charity. I'm sure there's there's lots that go into it, but um, yes. I think ultimately the any any amount of help that they can provide would be a positive uh, have a positive impact. Yep, absolutely. All right, so with that, we'll get back to our regular programming. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to XYZ, the podcast about CNC, robotics, automation, small business, and more. I don't have the script in front of me today, so I'm ad-libbing it. You nailed it. Yeah, thank you. you for- my name is Adam Goff, owner of Goff's Custom Knives, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Frank, ah. the Frank Brothers Guitar Company. Yes, okay. My, you nailed it, and I talked all over you. All over yeah, you. thanks, buddy. This is the, you. yeah, uh, CNC automation, robotics, overtalk, business, and more. <laughs> yes, we need to talk over each other a little bit. <laughs> That's a podcast. I mean, it's that's kind of what you, what you sign up for. Is what it is. Budget yes. budget podcasts. This Each. really is a budget podcast. Yeah, we we actually pay money to make this podcast. <laughs> We're not one of those big podcasts where they're making millions, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. How are things with you, mate? What have you been up to? Uh, all right. Well, okay. We we've been all over this these shop improvements. Ooh, my 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 uh space in front of my hoss is getting dialed oh nice so you're like to... putting down the, the kaizen foam with all of your tools in it uh i have a tool cabinet a tool nice. chest which nor I, i've never been able to successfully use a tool chest oh they always get full of clutter and mess and mm. random stuff but i'm committed to making this work because it looks so cool <laughs> but <laughs> that's the only reason really well I, I okay so i have lots of stuff that i need to operate the machine so i've got all these little like these little clamp plates that we made to uh fasten down pickup rings when we machine them and right. you know we have we we can machine 12 pickup rings at a time so i need 12 clamps and we have four different types of pickups that we that we can make so you do the math, right. Aaron. You have a lot. Of, I, I'm bad at math. I don't know. Forty-eight. You've got a lot of clamps. Yeah, fifty-two clamps. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, obviously, there's like 
one or two extra of each. So yeah, um, that math adds up. Uh, so, you know, I've got those all lined up in the shelf, all neat and tidy. I've got my, I had to actually take that. So the Haas comes with what they call a um, convenience package, I think. And yes, with a little shelf and stuff. Yeah, the shelf I left, the shelves on the, the left side of the, the door I left. But on the right side under the controller, there's uh, this like kind of funky little hanging shelf that has like a, looks like a cup holder for pens maybe and like hooks like spots to put like i don't know a wrench or your your brush and then your uh your blowgun and i just took that off it was kind of i was it was not that it wasn't working for me and then i butted up right. a tool chest to that and um it fit perfectly and then in that now i've got my brush i've got my some like a little fixture plate that I use for doing an op two on a on pick guards. I've got all of my clamps, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'm I'm actually keeping some stock in there in the cabinet as well for pickup rings and, and pick guards, mm-hmm. which I wasn't normally down for. I was I wasn't down for, it, but we we're making we make these pick guard blanks and then we turn them into um, pick right. guards. So it doesn't really make sense to make them into pick guard blanks and then take those pick guard blanks somewhere else and store them. Cause right. I, I need to do a second operation on them yeah, like, at any time. I like, you know, so yeah, it, it works. It's looking slick. And I, I actually, I got rid of the work, my workbench that I was using. I had, I have this 50, uh, it's like, it's actually, it's a five foot wide, um, wood top workbench. Uh, we, we've got like a dozen of them maybe. Um, right, and every, everybody works at them. But I was using it as a workbench slash computer station slash like using it for CNC prep stuff. It was just a mess. So I right. I moved that. Now I have an actual. I moved that somewhere where I can use it as an actual workstation when I'm doing glue ups and um, fretboard leveling and all also you know binding and all sorts of stuff. And right. I replaced that at the CNC with a, th- a three foot by not not even two foot deep workbench on Hmm. casters okay and i made myself like a little u around the in front of the the hoss so the i've got my uh the hoss in front of me and then beside it my on to the left of it i've got my uh, little computer table on casters and on the other side of it i've got the cabinet and then like a, a little sort of cubby thing that I that I have like pallets in for right. for the Haas. So it's looking pretty tight. Me and Ryan were working all day getting our side of the shop. Me we we live in like the wood shop area getting our shit dialed cuz the guys have been working on their like the other side of the shop for weeks. It's looking amazing. And our so shit, our side was looking like a fucking dumpster. Really? So we awesome. I'll have to go check it out. I, I'm pretty proud. Looks good. Still needs some work. Right. I, on the other hand, I took everything in my shop and just fucking emptied it on the floor. I, yeah, my your shop, shop looks is like a disaster. disaster zone at the moment. Yeah. Made, made me feel really brilliant. good about my space. <laughs> no, ours looked like ours looked like yours did today. So yeah. it's you have to make a mess in order to um, you know, de declutter. You well, gotta the issue bring everything out to the, to the surface. 
For sure, yeah. Well, the issue for me, though, is really that um, I'm doing something that my shop is not set up for right now. So I've been building a little... Um, it's it's almost like a sound isolation booth for those recording people, like a vocal booth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might have seen them in offices. It's like a quiet workroom. I'm kind of building an extreme version of one of those to go in my shop um, because I did actually accept that programming job. Um, so I'm... Thank you, sir. So I'm starting that on the 14th and I really want to be able to like go to the shop a little bit early, you know, load up um, the CNCs, hit cycle start and then work, you know, but I don't think that trying to work next to the machine is going to be all that great Um, for a variety of reasons. I'm going to be in calls and stuff. Um I did actually buy this wicked headset. It's a gaming headset. It's called the Razer Black Shark 2. Um, and it's kind of styled after like a helicopter, you know, the headsets they wear in helicopters so they can talk to each other. Uh, yeah. And it has the same type of microphone. So it actually has two mics back to back that are out of phase with each other. So when there's background noise, it, it actually passively cancels the background noise out of your, your microphone. Oh. Um, so I can run the machines and like have a call wearing this headset and no one can hear the background, which is, which is crazy, but I don't want to have to hear the background noise either. So I, I built this little room. Um, the, the thinnest wall is three quarter inch MDF and the thickest wall is almost two inches of MDF. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's, is it going to, uh, in the inside of that room, is there mm-hmm. any insulation? Um, MDF it, is actually like really bouncy. Yes, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it it definitely has some reverb. Um all of the inside surfaces are going to be carpeted. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, so the the wall to my left when I'm sitting in there, the wall behind me and the wall to my right will be carpeted and the floor will be carpeted and then the front wall and the top wall are um painted white. Uh cool. That's awesome. Now, Mhm. McMaster does sound uh, sell sound <laughs> insulation. I'm sure you've yes. looked into this. Yeah. Is it is it needed? Is it the thing is MDF is actually really really good at damping sound and damping vibration. Cool. Um, yeah, it's it's already pretty quiet, and right now it doesn't even seal up properly. Like I haven't right. installed any of the stripping around the door. I suppose what you're trying to do too is keep the sound from coming in rather yes. than I think a lot of these maybe you know, often you're trying to keep the sound from going out. Right. Right. So like, your, yeah, or your, your sound absorption from, yes. the in, from inside the room. Yeah. Or it's like a vocal booth where you don't want that reverb. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want that either. Cause I want to be able to have like the option of recording the podcast from there. You know, if it, if it makes my day easier rather than having to like run home to record the podcast, I'd love to be able to record from in there. Um, but you know, any, any soft surface tends to really break up the reflections of the noise. So I think Mm -hmm. the carpet, you know, when my body is in there as well, my body is a soft surface, very Mm -hmm. soft these days. Um, (laughs) and so between that and the carpet, I think it should be good, but we'll, we'll see. I'll try it out once it's all done and see if something more is needed. Well, congratulations on the new job. Thank you, sir. I'm, I'm excited. They seem like a really good company to work for. So it's gonna be very interesting. It's also extremely cool that you'll be working from your shop, being able to run (laughs) parts. It's gonna be it's like a test drive for your, you know, future setup. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like as I said, going going there a little early, you know, I only have to get there like fifteen minutes early or whatever to do a, a changeover of parts and 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 run the machines, and then at nighttime I have it set up so that you know before I leave I'll I'll run parts again, um, and then I'll probably spend an hour or two most nights, you know, just work, doing manual stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm hoping it should. I'm gonna have to dial like the number of knives that I'm making back a little bit. Right. But honestly, I'm. Probably not going to have to dial it back that much. Okay, interesting. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, there's the other aspects too, though, like the shipping and packaging, all that, that's, you know, still going to be time consuming. Yeah. I Honestly, though, I find if I have Saturday and Sunday off, I get really bored. So most of the time I end up in the shop on Sunday anyway. Right. So, you know, I think the one thing that I... You know, the one thing that I've been chasing for the last couple of years is like trying to find more time to do new and interesting projects, you know, and that that's a really hard one because it's it's you kind of have to build free time into your schedule to allow that. Um, so we'll see what the balance is. I really want to, you know, allow myself as much of that time as possible. Yeah, well, that's exciting. I mean, also the just the fi- financial freedom you'll have as a result yeah. of this. I think will be invigorating. Yes, I'm. I've been looking at houses. Um, we're actually kind of wondering whether we should be building a house rather than buying. It doesn't seem like it would be any more expensive. Um, and the biggest difference, you know, like my my friend that bought his place recently, his house was built in the eighties, um, and that thing just has like no insulation. You know, like he spends in the in the winter, he spends like 250 bucks on electricity and 500 bucks on propane a month. Oh, you know, like, well, my my house was built in the 20s and mm. the second floor has zero insulation. <laughs> it's right. It's in our bedrooms, freezing cold. So I, if you could, yeah. I mean, people uh, buy these old houses in Toronto. I mean, all over. I'm sure this extremely common thing to do they literally got them they make it a new house they just keep the, yep. bu- the structure yep and now you got a brand new house so yeah starting from scratch i mean just you're just building a foundation framing and and then basically just doing a reno on you know on in yeah. that space in that space not, yeah not and so, so different than just renovating a place i imagine well and the the interesting thing that that would potentially enable would be for the house to be totally off-grid um, because like when I look toward the future, one of the things that would be really nice is to like really minimize the ongoing costs. You know, I think that's the thing that kills you. I'm, I'm fine with like one, you know, if someone was like, oh, you can have a $300 electricity bill every month, or you have to spend 20 grand right now. I'd take the 20 grand if I can swing it, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if the house is really energy efficient, then that means that like heating and cooling, which are basically the biggest energy costs in a home, would be very reasonable. So we could, you know, put solar panels in, um, batteries in and potentially run the house and the shop off um, off solar. Well, I guess if it's off grid, that makes it a lot easier to find a piece of land to build on because, you know, you're not having to run power to that property. Yep. Yeah, and honestly, like running power, um, especially if you're trying to get like, you know, three phase from 
the power company, that could be pretty equal to the cost of like a really serious solar setup, you know? Yeah. Um, I did actually find, so we were talking a couple of weeks ago about the used solar panels that I found a place in the States called San, Santan solar that sell used solar panels. The issue with those is that they take the, the, um, identification labels off them. Oh, I'm not sure why that they sounds they, illegal. <laughs> it's not, I don't think, I think it's just cause they're, they're buying them out of previous like solar farms or something. And they have to like, I don't know, protect the or they're trying to make sure that the warranty doesn't continue, or I don't know. It's probably some part of the deal of reselling them, you know? Hmm. But I found a place in Canada. It's actually just an individual, so I'm not going to tip my hand quite yet, um, who has a monumental amount of 250-watt solar panels. Um, and if you buy, like, 100 of them, they're 60 bucks each. Whoa. Yeah, which is ludicrous. Um, and he has another price break at... 250 panels they're 50 bucks each so that means i could buy 60 kilowatts of solar panels for 12 and a half grand um and how much you know, space do you need how much land do you need for that much solar panel oh uh, it's quite that a many. bit it would be the entire roof of the workshop the entire roof of the house and then some ground mounted units as well so okay um just trying to understand like if you you know have a house with a roof the roof like lasts 20 years depending on mm. what it's made mm. out of right how do you mm. how do you access that roof to maintain it or to uh you know fix it repair it whatever yeah i mean the theoretical first step is to get rid of your shitty shingles if that's what you have on your roof i hate shingles they're a north american thing um and they suck you guys use koala fur yes that's right we actually just put the koalas in front of a steamroller and then we (laughs) we squish them into a big flat roof-shaped panel (laughs) no like a north american thing to have sympathy for koalas (laughs) yeah not a not an australian uh thing noisy little bastards there um no like steel steel roof will last you you know the lifetime of the panels and then when you're replacing the solar panels you replace the roof okay cool yeah yeah i've got some i've got a neighbor up the street that's got a a steel roof it looks nice yeah i really like them in australia they're super popular because um the two main types of roofs that you get in australia are uh tile so like a terracotta tile that are kind Mm -hmm. of like shingles yeah and they they hang they're overlapping they hang on top of each other the issue with those is that if there's a bushfire um the wind can blow embers up un- like through the gaps in the tiles and set fire to the inside of your roof yikes so steel roofs are like the the go-to and i will say there is nothing better than the sound of a rainstorm on a steel roof yeah sound yeah. amazing it's like being in a tent yeah kind exactly of, you know it's just like very present um Although that's in Australia where there's like no insulation in any of the houses pretty much. So probably or rain. Canada where, well, yeah, we, we get rain some, some places <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. I actually, you know what? I do remember I had a job in Australia that I had to, I had to like a 15 minute walk for part of my commute and I got rained on twice in three years. You know, it's it's just a different frequency of rain than it is here in Canada. That's for sure. Well, we're about to hit the rainy season, so yeah, it's fun. Get ready? Um, yeah, I've got a flat roof. It's tar- I think it's tar. 
Oh, at the workshop? No, no. Oh, at the workshop, yeah. But here, yeah. my house, my house has a flat. Oh, interesting. My house has a flat roof, no attic. Well, wax some panels on there, buddy. Do you want I, some solar panels? Yes, yeah, yeah. Cut me in on that uh, that price break. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know. So I just, I really like the idea of going off grid, um, and to do it like really, really seriously is super expensive if you buy all the components new. Um, but buying used panels, that's that's a really big savings. Sure. Um, and then the other part of it is just batteries. Like the the more batteries you have, the the more better. Um, but yeah, if you buy batteries new, you know they're like like between. I haven't actually looked at like manufactured battery prices in a while, but you're probably looking at like between five hundred dollars and a thousand dollars a kilowatt, a kilowatt hour, I should say. Um, and I would want like fifty to a hundred kilowatt hours worth of storage at the least. So, yeah, that's I'm not going to be buying new batteries. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you should talk to my brother, John. Oh yeah, he's been in the uh, solar panel game for a decade. Oh, well, not not just just solar. He does uh, um, financing for uh, solar right. or for uh, like clean energy. Cool. But uh, anyways, he knows the shit. He does like technical stuff. So, hmm. I'll have to give him a call then. Yeah. So yeah, it's been this week has just been working on that little quiet booth. I think I don't know if I told you this, but I actually made it all from garbage. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. It's just compressed. I just took all the bags out of the dumpster, compressed and- them. Yeah. <laughs> no, there was like an office upstairs. They were downsizing. Apparently, like because of COVID they like, you know, went back and kind of reassessed their business needs and realized that they haven't used half of their office in like 20 years. Oh, wow. So there was like desks and shit coming out of this place, like nobody's business. And they had, um, a pair of four by eight foot long assembly tables that they were using there, like a print shop. And they'd had these things custom made, like whoever the carpenter was that made these things did a really nice job. The, you know, all MDF, like three quarter MDF with, um, like really nice, clean pine bracing. Um, so I used, I used those. I like cut them up and used those for the thing. I used a bunch of shelving. There's like four desks in this thing. I didn't buy any lumber. Wow. Yeah. Why didn't you hit me up? This sounds like something I could have helped with. You would have been trying to like you know put little inlays in it and stuff. Yeah, pick up something. Nice. Would have been nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it probably weighs like six hundred pounds. This this little wow. office thing. It I looks actually really good. I, it looks super cool. Thanks, buddy. I made the mistake of so I had to build it in the corridor outside of my unit because it's too big for me to build it in my unit. Yeah, and I it made almost the mistake looks like of, it doesn't fit through the door. It it actually didn't when I first made it. I measured it all and I thought I was good to go. And then I was like, okay, I got to go home. I'm so tired. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And I got to roll it into the shop and it bumps into the door frame. Oh, and I, no. I said some very angry words. So what did you do? I had, well, I had to get on a ladder with a fucking circular saw mm. and cut the top of it off. Wow. Um, luckily, the top of it is like um, the, the the trim extends above the roof. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I basically like you'd have to lop a, the whole roof off. No, no. I screwed a straight two by four um, on each side as a guide, and then went around it with a circular saw and shortened her up. Nice, nice. So now it doesn't have 
extra trim on the top. Uh, it has some, just less. <laughs> nice. Give it a haircut. Yeah. It's kind of fun. It's kind of a fun project to just like eyeball it. Like I didn't draw any plans or anything. I was just like, this looks right. And I just, you know, just I made the base and then I made some walls and yeah. it went from there. I mean, it's legit. You know what? We need we need one of these at our shop because I'm on, I, I take phone calls all the time. And it's like mm. so loud. And then there's something about the frequency of, I don't know, machine tools that just like cancels out everything you're saying. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you should build one. Except the only the only problem is, so you can buy these things new, right? Like there are companies that make them. There's one company called Room, I think, that makes them. And um, I got some prices, and the the very cheapest one that I found was five grand US mm-hmm. plus delivery of a you know five hundred pound giant box room. Thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I- I got offered one, um, a, uh, what was it called? I don't, I forget the brand name, but, um, I got offered one years ago. Mm. I was like, what the fuck are we going to do with this thing? Don't, no, thanks. Let's just like, gonna take <laughs> and now sp- you're like, damn it. Yeah. I mean, I should have taken it and sold it, but I, they were offering mm. to sell it to me, but for really cheap. Right. Um, now I could really use it. The other thing we want modular, uh, room speak you know since we're speaking of modular rooms is a, a second spray booth mm. just for because so um we were shooting tim shot a sparkle finish today it's the first time we've ever done a sparkle finish <laughs> right. it's just glitter you can't get the glitter out of it it glitters everywhere well yeah, yeah. tim tim knew this was going to happen because this even happens when we shoot metallics but to a much lesser extent Right. Uh, you're basically just like exploding a glitter bomb in the spray booth. <laughs> so he just pulled pulled everything out of the spray booth, yeah, right. and put up sheets. But it's glitter is like relentless. It's go, it goes everywhere. I haven't I haven't looked since he did it, but he said it's everywhere. So um, yeah. I w- I had that. I want to make a pop up spray booth just for shooting the glitter. The, the sparkle right tim wants to farm out sparkle finishes but mm, i don't that sounds like control. a good idea and yeah i think tim's not going to be happy with the result given how well they don't have to do the whole here. finish they just have to do the 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 color which is sparkle and then right and we just send it to like an auto shop or something well no i mean maybe another guitar maker but there's none that we know locally that would do it. Right. Maybe one person, but I think he probably also doesn't want glitter in his booth. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the color. Them. We'll do the scraping top coats, everything like send it to them taped. Right. Ready for, for color. Just, just spray bomb it. <laughs> or glitter I bomb feel it. Like, I feel like years and years ago, I saw a spray booth of some, maybe it was like an automotive spray booth in a factory or something where every wall was like a waterfall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what Fender has. Um, it's just one. They just have one single waterfall. Okay. And I guess the vacuum, or sorry, yeah, the the fan is on the other side. It sucks the, the air through the waterfall. But the mm. the waterfall is the filter. So the water catches the overspray and just... Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, I I mean, that's my basic understanding of it, but apparently they're I the think, best. Right. You should have four of those, one on each wall. 
so that the, all of the walls just become waterfalls. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... You can that's send what, me the money for that idea in my account. That's what uh, I mean. I I think we owe TLC the money, not you. TLC the yeah the the band. What? Oh Jesus! <laughs> we got to give tell. them credit. Uh, and this is so. Tim told us last week that he was expecting another child, and if he had, I'm is, Nick. Did I tell you? Did I say Tim? You did. Oh my god! Sorry. <laughs> What's your name again, buddy? <laughs> yeah. If we hadn't, if you hadn't told us, um, now this is how we'd know the the extra level of dad jokes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm doing double duty now. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry. This week's been long, man. I spent. I like- know. We're recording on a Friday. Um, yeah. Because we totally. We're just. I mean, I spaced out. Is that what you're going to talk about? You're going to talk about how this week has been crazy. Well, I've just been at the shop like super long hours too, working on this stupid portable room thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah, and it's like I, you know, when you have to start having like I did this today. I've been doing dumb work all day, not dumb, but like mm. just you know, not like the high precision, whatever. I mean, right, our version of high precision that you normally do, like this detailed fine finesse work and then you just like yeah. you start measuring to a quarter of an inch and then you like it's just you kind of get used to that you're like yeah sick yeah yeah like today i so i installed the all of the carpet on the walls in the little booth today and um for the first two walls i was like going into mdf and my little like hand operated staple gun was like totally fine and then the third wall was chipboard with a phenolic laminate oh wow um and the the staples were just bouncing off. They were like bending in half. So I was like, okay, fuck it. More violence is the answer to this. So I went and got my nail gun. Uh-huh. And, you know, if I was if I was doing like the best possible job, I would have like, you know, put those nails on like six inch centers in a nice grid. Instead I was just like just like wherever I felt a nail should go, a nail went. You threw on somebody Swedish death metal and just went to town. Uh, it wasn't Swedish death metal, actually. It was American death metal. Oh. It was Lamb, Lamb of God. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I just went to town. Just it was fun though. It's using nail guns are fun. Nail guns are fun. We're actually going to do a bit of a little like reno of our um, jam space area. Okay. Um, and we're going to do like a curved slat wall. Mm. So I'm going to put be- some guitar hangers and stuff on there. Yeah, something like that. And uh, so going to be lots of nail gun gunning nail gunnery how many nail guns do you own just one it's a nice just a framing gun no it's a pass load like uh brad nailer oh air or um yep like portable right no portable would be nice but part of so um we're splitting our four our our team in two Mm. um half the team is gonna do the slot wall and then me and Ryan, the other half of the team, are going to do run air lines to some of the other workbenches. Oh, nice. Um, so we probably should do that first so that we can run an airline that there you go. is close enough to, to use the Brad Nailer yep. to build the other section, to build the slat wall. Yeah, That'd be smart. 
Brad Nailer is actually the only nailer I own as well. It's very useful. I should probably buy a finish nailer, actually. I feel like for some stuff, the the heads on the Brad Nails just pull through too easily. Oh, yeah, I know. But you can put staples in. I mean, mine you can put staples in. I don't know about mine. I've never uh, done it, but right. you can. Yeah, mine's a uh, Porter Cable. It's this really nice little magnesium alloy bodied um, Brad Nailer. I, I don't even know why I bought it. I don't know. I don't remember where I got it. <laughs> like I just have it, you know, it's a handy thing to have. I mean, we, we Super built handy. our entire shop. Like it was an empty 20, 2300, 20, 2600 square feet. Totally empty. Are you telling me all those two by four walls just have Brad nails in them? No, but, um, <laughs> we, we built all these, we built all these built in cabinets and built mm. our workbenches and we went way over the top. Right, building the stuff. None of it's we. We actually we still have one the, our big assembly table, which is like a um, torsion box, a four by eight torsion box. Right, um, made out of marine ply, probably too. Right, like all MDF. Oh yeah, yeah, that's fair. It, MDF is so stable. It's sick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, anyways, yeah, the, the Brad Miller is key. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I. So my girlfriend, after like looking at, um, you know, buying a house or whatever, my girlfriend and I were looking at, okay, what, what stuff can we build? Cause I've been talking to her, uh, for years about like, oh, we could build like a little tiny home or something, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think it'd be good experience. Um, so of course I start looking at nail guns, <laughs> um, and yeah, apparently like fully electric nail guns are now like a completely viable thing. Which is pretty cool. Doesn't surprise me. It's amazing what's electric now. Yeah, it, but I mean, it used to be that there was like it had like a weird spring in it. You know, it'd be like the uh, the old ones that I tried. You'd hold the trigger down, there'd be this delay while the gun like wound up, oh, and yes. then it would drive the nail. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they they sucked. Mm-hmm. But um, the modern generation of uh, like cordless nail guns, they have like a a nitrogen, like a pneumatic cylinder in them that's full of nitrogen. Um, and the gun like compresses that almost like, like, a like an air, air rifle, um, and keeps that compressed until you pull the trigger and it just instantly lets, lets that go. And that's what drives the nail. And man, these things are like, you know, overdriving a three inch framing nail. <laughs> like, yeah. That's crazy. You know, and and it, it, I've seen some videos of them, and it's like bang, 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 like really, really fast. Um, so, yeah, so so convenient. I mean, because having air is kind of annoying. Yes, they are um, quite heavy, though. I will say that they're like ten pounds. True for uh, for a twenty-one degree framing nail for a soft guy like you. Yeah, I'm a bit bit limp in the arms these days <laughs> i did see also they um milwaukee sells a brushless cordless compressor now what yeah it's uh it runs on their m18 system and wow what's that battery like- operated compressor yeah yeah and you can run like you know a pair of like brad nailers or whatever i i haven't seen videos of anyone running a framing nailer off it but you absolutely could if you weren't going like full tilt you know um, cr- I also saw in a um, battery operated power or power washer. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And you use a two, two liter bottle 
as the the water. I don't know. If they were. I don't <laughs> you have know to if ref- refill that every five seconds. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's like a thousand psi, but right. Yeah, I was really surprised when I saw the cordless compressor. That that was one of those things where I was like, uh, that's not going to happen. And then I was like, okay, well, the battery must be like five minutes. Nope. Apparently, it's like you know half a day off one one decent sized battery. That's know? sick. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's quiet. Really, really quiet. Like as quiet as like the California Air Tools compressors. Um, I don't know those. Oh, they're they're like have one in your office. Oh. You know, they're like 60 decibels or something. They're very quiet. You, better than I mean, a um a what Kaiser compressor? Yes, actually. Because <laughs> the Kaiser is like my my Kaiser is quiet. But it's still like a really big whooshing sound. You know, yeah. it's like a really big fan. My now that I I have a screw compressor, like it, comparatively, it was so it's so much quieter. But now I'm yeah. just used to the noise it makes, and it's still fucking loud. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's like I think it's 65 or 68 decibels. Right. Yeah, mine's a bit quieter than yours, and I like the sound of mine better. Yours has a bit of like a high pitched. Yeah, it does. It's got a kind bit, of it's a bit it, whiny. It sounds a little bit like a table saw. Maybe like That's a table saw if of. you were like in the the next room. Yeah, mine's just a whoosh. You know, it's just like a big fan. Right. Um, yeah, that's not so bad. Yeah. Yeah, but it's still like. I mean, I'm still building this little quiet workroom because if it if it kicked on in the middle of a video conference, it's going to be a pain in the ass, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, but that little like a cordless compressor, like I I was thinking like, OK, you know, do I if I let's say I'm building a home in the woods, you know, do I get like a generator and a little like pancake compressor and then run pneumatic guns or do I get you know, a generator and cordless guns, or and I could just get a, a cordless compressor. And, and a solar panel. Yeah, there you go. Or, so whenever I say that I actually quite like the Cybertruck, everyone gives me the side eye. They're like, really? <laughs> but one of the super cool things about the Cybertruck is that it's supposed to have a small air compressor and an inverter built in. So you can power like 110 volt tools just by plugging them into an outlet in the truck bed. That's handy. I mean, my mom used to have this Oldsmobile minivan. Okay. And it had a air compressor and an outlet. You could fill up. Awesome. Yeah, you could fill up. You could. I mean, we used to take we used to go car camping and shit and Mm -hmm. you could fill up like an air mattress or a fucking your, you know, bike tire. Right. It was sweet. And then it just had an outlet as well. Yeah. That's super useful. It was. Especially, you know, in an Oldsmobile, like, a, you know, a traditional gas car, you're going to run the battery flat pretty quick using mm-hmm. that, unfortunately. We did. But the Cybertruck has like a 60 kilowatt hour battery. So you could like, you know, take your air conditioner camping with you and fucking run it for like three days, you know, like it's, it's kind of crazy having that kind of power hooked up to like a little inverter like that i think it's gonna be super useful for a tradesman yeah well the new ford lightning thunder whatever oh the yeah the f-150 right the electric yeah which looks sick um it has some features like that Mm -hmm. pretty sure it makes sense my my brother-in-law was telling me about it because he's a contractor 
and right. uh, he's super interested in that. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Like if you think about, you know, you're having to cut that kind of shit around anyway. And if it's just built into your truck, super handy. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I wonder how, how actually, like, if that could replace some of your more, you know, professional tools. Well, even just stuff like having, you know, a rack of battery. I mean, I don't know about you, but like all of the Milwaukee like M12 tools that I've bought, they all came with an individual battery charger each, you know, so I've yeah. got like six battery chargers or something. You could just like screw those onto a bit of plywood in the in the bed of your truck and have them connected to the outlet. Yeah. And then, you know, your all of your batteries are always getting charged. Um, oh, you man. Know, that would be super nice. That would, yeah, that would be cool. We desperately need some new fucking drills. Oh, really? How come? Because we share them. Uh, I'm actually incredibly amazed how good the the quality of these hand tools we bought eight years ago. What are they? We've got a uh, Milwaukee um, drill and driver set, like the mini ones with the, the little battery. Yeah, the M12 batteries. It's the yeah. same as the one I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I bought it because you told me I should. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, and then we have a... Um, fuck. What's the name of it? It's, it's like blue. Blue and black. Oh. Um, Metabo? No, not Metabo. Bosch? Makita. Metabo's green. Makita? Makita. Yeah, yeah, Makita's I don't blue, fucking, I think. Yeah. Bosch and Makita are both blue. Um, yeah. This thing we bought when we we started building the, sh- the shop out and mm. dro- I've dropped it off an eight-foot ladder dozens of times. <laughs> it's still, like, perfect. It still works perfectly. The battery's still yeah. good. It still holds a charge really well. It's incredible. These, these uh, like, contractor tools are amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of settled on the Milwaukee milwaukee m12 stuff um i just bought an oscillating saw yesterday which so in the bottom inside corners of the little workroom because i was reusing all of these tables and shit they had like um square corner braces in the bottom inside corners and they were stapled on two sides and then glued in place as well and i was like fuck i just need to shave like a quarter inch off these so that i can put the carpet in flush otherwise there's going to be like a lump there uh-huh. And I tried like using a, a handsaw, and then I was like, "There's staples in this, like this is not gonna work." <laughs> um, so yeah, I went and bought the uh, the M12 oscillating saw, and that made you know what would have been otherwise an incredibly painful job. Just like those things are ten minutes. Yeah, those things are sweet. Tim Tim bought one for a totally random reason as well um, to do some shit at his house, and yep. I feel like that's just something that'd be nice to have. Like I know in my back of my mind that he's got that. I'm like, I'm going to use that for something because <laughs> you can right. just like get right into the square of like into a corner. Yeah. Well, I can tell you right now an awesome, awesome use for them is cutting tabs off parts. Oh, like if yeah, you, yeah. If you, um, I, cool so idea. I used to have one. I used to have one, which I broke uh, or it died. Um, but when I was using my CNC router, I would, you know, window machine parts, leave little tabs, and then you just use the oscillating saw to zip, 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 cut them off flush. Um, super nice. That's I think if it. I was going to do that, I think if I was going to do that in the future, I'd probably put like a little piece of like um, Teflon 
on the underside of the blade so that you can run it right up against the part without marking it. And then you're also just, just leaving a tiny bit of the tab so you can sand it off or file it off. Um, That's a sweet idea, actually. Um, I mean, most, I feel like a lot of people just sort of break them, right? Like yeah. It doesn't parts. work though. If you've got tabs on like four parts, four sides of the part. Right. Right. So if you really want like high stability, a lot of stability in your part still. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's super hard to like, I guess you could come back and like trim those tabs in the machine until they're like almost nothing or whatever, but yeah. But I mean, that's, that's a really cool um, way to tackle that problem. Yeah. I've done it a bunch and it works really well. And those little oscillating saws will cut, you know, aluminum and steel. (laughs) Don't they have like Dremel attachments too? Like for, to, to make a Dremel and oscillating saw? maybe i was looking i mean dremel have their own one it's called like the multi-max or something rather yeah i was going back and forth between like the corded ones and the the cordless and you know what i'm really glad i went with the the m12 cordless one it's really nice it's just it has like a um a toolless uh sort like blade change it has like a cam operated kind of um grabber for the for the blades it's just it's just nice Mm -hmm. Uh, you know i like it when you buy something and you're like okay this is like nice to use exactly what i wanted you know yeah um well we when again when we started building at the shop like eight years ago we wanted to build by we needed a circular saw and my Mm -hmm. my buddy who is helping us um do the work as a contractor was a contractor and uh he was like, you have to get a worm drive, a skill right. saw worm drive. I was like, it's like $150 more than like just a cheap circular saw. Yep. But it is really nice. I'm, I don't miss that $150. Right. Every time we use Well, it. you you guys stole my uh, my Bosch circular saw for quite a while there. I Did think we? you had it for years. Yeah. You don't remember that? No. We've yeah. had the, our, are you sure? Because we've had our skill saw for... This was a long time ago. This was like when you just moved in or something. Oh, um, he borrowed it for a while. Yeah, I mean, I literally haven't used. Must that have been a piece of shit because we went uh, and bought a good a good one. I don't know. It's fine. It's a Bosch. It's not. It's not uh, Ryobi. Um, <laughs> I went. I like. I haven't used that saw in years though. And this week, doing the um, the little quiet room, I, I used it a bunch. You know. Um, it's funny. It's one of those things that you just don't, if you're not like a contractor doing this kind of stuff all the time, like I was like, Oh, how am I going to use this thing? You know, like I don't have a nice table that I can use it on without cutting it up or whatever. And I was realized, I was just like, I'm stupid. Like all you have to do is change the blade projection so that it's just coming out of the bottom of your material. And then just chuck your material on the floor on a couple of two by fours that you don't care about. And you can cut whatever you want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, the, I posted a video on our Instagram of me cutting up a like two inch thick, eighteen inch wide piece of genuine mm-hmm. mahogany, like that was eight, ten feet long, with a with our um, skill saw. Right, and that's what you want a worm drive saw for. Yeah, cutting stuff that thick. Yeah, no problem. That yeah. even better than our two horsepower uh, table saw, like. Right. That would have choked on it. Right. Yeah. I, I, um, 
this is maybe uh, a little bit next level, but I, um, the other week I had a, so I tend to like buy aluminum stock if I'm like at the metal, sh- metal place, you know, I'll buy offcuts and stuff because you never know when you're going to end up using it. And one of the bits that I bought was um, a 16 inch by 20 inch, one inch thick plate wow. that I just had sitting around. Yeah. And the other week I had a project for it. I wanted to use it for um, for that quench press. Um, so I was like, okay, I need to cut this up. And so I was like, you know, what? I've seen people using a skill saw to cut up uh, aluminum like this. So I'm going to give it a shot. Did not go well. <laughs> did not like that the blade was like vibrating left to right so rather than making you know like a one-eighth curve right, like it normally would right. it was just like it's like a badger had chewed one edge of it that's a pretty serious uh, piece of metal but you know what dude i put that on my i have a makita um double bevel sliding compound mitosaur with a 12 inch blade i put it that plate on that makita zip right through it no problem wow. at all yeah yeah i mean we cut metal on our table saw. It's it's pretty legit. <laughs> what metal do you cut on your table saw? Uh, I mean, I've cut brass and mm, aluminum. Yeah. yeah, I hate table saws. I wouldn't want to do that. But chop saw, I'm totally fine with, honestly. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's just the most annoying noise in the entire shop, but whatever. The chop saw or the... Absolutely, the chop saw. Hmm. Just because it's like jumpy, right? Like that, like it's no, it's just loud. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's it, even when it's not in the cut, it's fucking annoying. You need a uh, worm drive chop saw. It's a good idea. Yeah, we have a we have a Bosch chop saw. Um, it's mm. that like dual. I don't know action. I don't know how, how to describe it. Oh, it's, it's that it's one a, that'll sit flush up against a exactly, wall, right? With yeah. the the weird weird it has like almost like door hinges or something yeah like a pair of door hinges kind of things yeah yeah it's sweet it's, yeah, it's a nice super annoying to change the blade on it but um why no it's just like too compact it's hard to get in there mm. but um we used to have this dewalt that was not a sliding it just was a straight up chop saw and yeah it's the same one that i i think i got you to buy that okay so. yeah it, it was great the same one we, had, we ended up selling it but uh, then I yeah. regretted that because now I, I went out, bought myself a, Ry- a Ryobi one for my house for just doing, I built a porch right. and uh, it's actually pretty sick. Came with carbon <laughs> yeah. tips on. It's like, it cut, yep. it cut like butter. Yeah, I mean, through fucking pine, but whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that DeWalt, the non-sliding DeWalt um, Midasaur that you and I both had, that one, I think, honestly, that's one of the nicest feeling saws that I've ever used just because there's no, like, because it's such a short and simple mechanism, there's, yeah. like, no slop in it at all. Like, yeah. you cut a 90 on that thing, and it's a 90. Yeah, I actually felt, it feels almost better than, than like, the Bosch sliding one we have. What are we talking about, Aaron? We're talking about, like, the cheapest, <laughs> shittiest tools that you can buy. I mean, they're nice. Like, I'm, I'm always impressed by contracting tools. But, um, yeah, we're not talking about CNCs this week. No. Um, that's fine. I want a Hermley. <laughs> what? Okay, so you just said you have a Ryobi and non I don't want a Hermley at home. You don't? Well, sure, I'd, maybe. Are you, yeah, okay, let's let's talk about the blending of these two things for a minute. Have you ever seen a Strybig um, panel saw? Uh, I've No, I, I mean, I don't know. I've seen the only panel saw I've ever seen is at Home Depot. Yeah, those are Strybigs. Those are like... That's like a $60,000 saw. Doesn't surprise me. That's an impressive piece of kit. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. If you if you guys have ever seen like those uh, panel saws that they use at Home Depot to cut your your you know plywood sheets up, those things are dope, and I want one. Yeah, that'd be a handy thing to have. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about your your homely. <laughs> What's well, okay, so what? Why? I'll start with we're we're gonna start making our tailpiece uh, on in house in house. Amazing. Um. So we got a couple ideas about how we want to make it, but we're going to start cutting metal on the, on the Haas. Ooh, brass. Get ready to find some metal chips in your, in your wood bodies. Eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of more processing down the line when, when a body or, you know, right. comes off of the, the machine. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. We're not going to be using coolant. We're just going to be using air. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Especially not in brass. Yeah. Um, but without getting into too much detail, there's another project that we have in mind that we want to start doing. Mm. I may have told you about this in secret, but I think you have. Yes. Um, aluminum that we also want to start making on the Haas. And I right. want to mount a vice on our, I want to be able to put a vice on our machine, but our entire table on the Haas is covered by a vacuum like pallet base. That's so fine. there's no Just make a vacuum base for your vice. Yes, exactly. So what I yeah. want to do is make like an 18 by 15. That's kind of our standard pa- pallet size that vacuums down. Right. It's two, there's two vacuum um, chambers, basically sections. It'll vacuum down uh, like a 18 by 15 inch uh, piece of three quarter inch mic six mm-hmm. surface. And then on that mount a rock lock base. A fifth axis rock lock base. Oh, okay. That then you can put a vice on that, mm-hmm. or you can put their right angle, their ninety degree rock lock thing. Mm, and now you just, okay. and then you can mount the vice to that. Now you kind of have, you just have basically a a, a manual fourth axis. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is, is your? I think it's just amazing. I think that's a sick way to. A workflow. I think that's a wicked workflow because you never have, have to you take ever the part seen, out of the vice. Have you ever seen the press button fourth axes, fourth axes, whatever they're called? Don't don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so you know, like the fully electric fourth axis you'd buy for like your house, right? Mm-hmm. You can you know chuck it in there. But I do know what you're talking about. Yes, forks axis yes. drive and everything. Yeah, you can get ones that are fully mechanical. Yeah, and they just have a pair of push buttons on the top. And you get the machine to push the button, and each time it presses the button, the thing rotates by like five degrees or whatever. I just heard about this. Maybe it was the maybe it was um, with intolerance. I was talking about this, mm. or um, uh, I don't know who was talking. Yeah. Anyways, I just heard I about know. this recently. Yeah, I think it's a great or idea for stuff like that. Business machining, but um, right. Yeah that that's super cool. But how much are those? I have no idea because I'm I'm talking about four thousand dollars in fifth axis like kit right. to be able to basically have manual fourth you you know you have to take the the vice out flip it or put the 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 right angle fixture in right but and then a turn of an Allen key and you're good to go and it's it would be presumably mm-hmm. super repeatable and then you never have to take the part out of the actual vice itself. Right. Okay, I get you. You're just um, you're just repositioning yeah. the vice. 
in, right. in, in yeah, I don't know. I just like that the idea of that workflow. The one thing I'd be concerned about is just like how are you locating the pallets on, on um like a uh, precision uh what are they called? Like, like a bushing in a yeah, yeah. Is it, it's is a it, bushing in a, a like a diamond pin and a round pin. It is a diamond pin and round in pin. In okay. phenolic though, the base is phenolic. Yeah, I think that should be okay. Should, as long as the, it's, it's it's well built. Yeah, I think the top plate, as you said, would want to be aluminum so that you can like spread out the forces over the the whole like subplate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. Um. Anyways, I'm super excited about that. I just want to be able to put a vice on. I, so my biggest regret in the way we designed this is there's it's like there's no vice that you can put on it. Yeah. Right. Um. Well, it sounds like you're going to fix that. that yeah. Be a problem. Mark had a cool idea about actually inlaying a rock lock base into our pallet base. Mm. So it was flush. And then you can just have the vacuum over it and around it. Yeah. Yeah. Which so I, why don't you do that? Well, I mean, he, he was keen on that idea. I like the idea of being able to mount, like to just stick with the pallet system. Um, because you could put like two rock lock bases on a pallet. I mean, I suppose you could inlay two rock lock bases as well. You know what? Actually, there is a good reason not to do that, which is getting chips yes. all over your that was, vacuum. That was Tim's base. concern. Yeah. 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 Um, by having it as a pallet, you're kind of protecting the base. Yeah. At the same time. Well, I mean, the other thing you could do is like, you know, you know that you like the phenolic subplate now. Maybe make an aluminum version of that subplate just oh, for a little bit extra stiffness. Yeah, that's actually our, our long term goal um, is, is to do that. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that sounds awesome. I think you'll be fine. Well, I mean, don't um, Haas sell four axis or five axis vices now, too? They do. Probably. A, yeah. They're probably a lot less expensive than the Rocklock stuff. They right? might be, but I don't know if they don't have a zero point system the same way. Mm. and yeah i think it would be it's like i mean four thousand dollars isn't nothing but sure. it's uh, it, it like we could we could make something ourselves like a you know i don't know some yeah. fixturing that would that would yeah. do the same thing but then we have to make all that shit like i just want to get started i want to get the ball rolling on this that sounds cool man and that's good that's good stuff like the fifth axis stuff mm-hmm. is sweet. One one other trick too, given that you're going to be trying to machine aluminum dry. Um, I haven't personally experienced this yet. I hope to soon because I actually just bought um, a friend in my workshop building was closing down the shop and I bought all of his aluminum stock, which includes a lot of 7075 aluminum. Um, but my understanding is that when you're machining dry, 7075 is a lot more um, forgiving than 6061 okay. like it tends to stick less tends to break chips more easily so cool you know f- for for what you're going to be doing it's going to be a little bit more expensive not that much and it might just make your life easier you know that's good to know plus um, the the tensile strength is like double more what is tensile what is that what does that like refer to um basically like if you stretch something um, so let's say you just take like a rod of the aluminum and you, you put it in a machine that like pulls it on either end. Um, how much force can you apply to it before it permanently deforms? 
Okay. So that's that's what it's called your yield strength. Right. So if it's like 40,000 PSI yield strength, then if you have a one square inch cross section, it can hold 40,000 pounds before it starts to plastically deform, before it starts to yield. Right. Like permanently get longer, basically. Right. And then you have your ultimate tensile strength, which is how and much it will. Yeah, exactly. What what the pressure is when it when it breaks. So we're um, the we're trying to reduce flex. We want we want this part that we're making to not flex or right. So, so is tensile that, strength important in that respect? Though? No, okay. no, it is not. Um, yeah. So the when you're choosing a material to eliminate flex, the the like property that you'd be looking at is what's called the Young's modulus, which is what basically um, it's like a numerical value for stiffness. Right, so a material that has a low Young's modulus, I think, is more floppy than one that has a high. Might be the inverse. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, yeah, so like you know, when people are like, "Oh, I, I want something really stiff," so I'm going to use hardened steel. It actually it doesn't work that way. Like this hardened steel has a higher tensile strength, but it's not more stiff than regular steel. Right. Um, which is kind of counterintuitive i guess yeah um but yeah if you're trying to minimize uh flexibility or trying to minimize flex then often the design yeah is the easiest way to do that that's kind of where we're coming from is is how do we design stiffness into this and i think that's like it's part of the big reason we actually want to design this part right um yeah, and increasing the cross section. So, you know, if you go from like a one inch rod to like a one and a quarter inch rod or um, a one inch rod to a two inch tube, you know, the two inch tube will be way stiffer mm. than a one inch rod um, for potentially less weight. You right. Know? So it's it's all about that. Yeah, weight, that is, weight is another thing that we're, we're trying to be conscious of. Anyways, I should have more to talk about but probably not in the next couple of weeks, but I am excited. Ooh, exciting. So you're going to be spending some tooling money soon. Well, we'll see. <laughs> We're going to, we got to design, we got to like do the um, mock-ups and stuff first and, and see what right. we really need. But Cool. Looking forward to seeing it. Well, um, I haven't uh, had much chance to keep up on space news this week, unfortunately, because, you know, as we said at the start of the show, there's been a lot of other stuff going on. But one cool thing that I saw is... Actually, uh, let's go back for a second. So one really funny thing that I think uh, came out of Russia was that Russia was like, you know, in response to all the sanctions, they were like, they really um, made a press release or something saying, fine, we're not going to sell rocket engines to the US anymore. Which is hilarious because they, they're not anyway. <laughs> like they're Why just te- restating um, something. SpaceX is selling them all now? Um, no, like so th- the US was buying RD-180 rockets from Russia to use in the, um, I think it was the Atlas V, um, which is like, you know, after the space shuttle went away, that was like their, their only like heavy lift rocket. But that system's all being phased out anyway. So they're not buying any more engines anyway. <laughs> so doesn't, yeah, like no worries, no problems. Um, and then, yeah, like on the other hand, uh, SpaceX has had nine launches this year already. One every week since the start of the year. Wow. 
um it's it's pretty crazy the, the pace that they're achieving at the moment um so i'm not exactly sure what's going on with starship right now i think that um the environmental assessment at the boca chica base in texas uh which is where starship's getting built and where it will hopefully get launched uh got delayed so they're not able to do any launches until that's finished um but I know that they've actually been building a second Starship launch and assembly facility at Cape Canaveral. Oh, cool. Um, in Classic. Florida. Yeah. Yeah. So my understanding is that the facility at Cape Canaveral is actually going to be the main launch site. And then the Boca Chica Starbase will be like the um, kind of R&D facility. So I think worst case scenario, they like, you know, ship all the gear over to Cape Canaveral and, and continue the, the development there. Um, although they do actually, this is kind of Bond villain shit. I don't know if you've heard about this, but SpaceX actually bought um, a pair of volcanoes. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, a pair of oil rigs. Oh, because I never realized this, but oil rigs are like they actually float; they can move. Oh, is that right? So yeah, so like they bought these oil rigs, and they're basically going to like take all of the drilling shit off the top, and then build them out as like ocean going launch platforms that's badass um, so basically they're, they're like well if you don't you know approve the environmental assessment we'll just build our own launch site and it'll have blackjack and hookers <laughs> right it's like um that radio station that used to operate in the, uh, there was one that used to operate at international C? or yeah yeah what, what do they call that oh really um, international waters. Yeah, international waters. Either that was real or it was just a movie I watched. So, <laughs> pirate radio. There you go. Do do your research Google on that it. one, people. Well, there is actually. Um, I don't know if you ever heard about this, but there was after World War Two, there was an abandoned, um, like air defense station off the coast of England, like around the UK somewhere. Um, and this guy just went out there and was like well, this is international waters and this shit is mine now. And I name it the principality of Sealand. Um, and it's as far as I know, it's like still or last time I checked, at least, which was years ago, it was still a thing. You can like pay money to become like a citizen of Sealand. <laughs> and they send you like a passport um, and they were operating as like a data haven. So like companies right. that didn't want to have their data, you know, tied down to a national government could have like their shit on sea land it's very sketchy land but it's almost an oxymoron yeah Yeah. i mean especially given that it's just basically like an oil platform but yeah if anyone's interested in the story of that it's actually super interesting to like the history of this place like i forget some other company or maybe it was another country wanted this platform and he was refusing to give it up so they like kidnapped his family there was like there was like helicopters landing on this shit, like trying to force him off there. And there's like a whole history around this place. It's, it's pretty nuts. Um, I'd be curious to see where it's at these days. Yeah. Yeah. Trippy. Well, if anybody is interested in the story of pirate radio, it's uh, got scored 59% on IMDb. <laughs> is it a real thing? It's a or really, is it no, I think it is a real thing. It's a real thing. Right. Based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. 
Well, I feel like that's a pretty good uh, note to wrap up this episode. We've gone all over the place. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't expect to talk so much about contractor tooling, but you know what? I th- I think every machine shop has that kind of stuff kicking around. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that stuff's critical, essential. We use Super it every day. Handy. Yeah. Yeah. And I do want to get another but, drill. So it was. Mm, Milwaukee M12, man. I can lend you my. Um, Sounded like you said my Malarkey. impact driver. Milwaukee M1000. <laughs> your silly accent. No, I. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah, I really. Like my impact driver, I use it for changing fixtures and stuff and tightening tightening and loosening pit bulls actually works great. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. I use my Makita, so whatever. Right. But like that, the, those little M12 drivers with the tiny little battery, you know, will like just hang on your pocket. You hardly notice them. And then they'll, you know, put a, a wood screw through hardwood, you know, destroy it without even realizing. Yeah, they're legit. Yeah. Yes. All right, buddy. Well, we should let you go. Let everyone go. Um, lovely speaking to you all. As I said, I hope everyone's safe and well, and uh, we will speak to you in two weeks. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.